0: You are listening to the Art of Living Well podcast with Father Ian Van Houston. As promised, the second talk we're going to give is on the Holy Spirit. Uh, so remember, we Father Ian said this morning in the meditation or in the in his sermon that. Um. A key to growth, spiritual growth, is to uh, be docile to the Holy Spirit, to be totally in tune with his inspirations, and that of course, assumes that you know what those inspirations feel like um, and what they sound like interiorly, which then sort of goes, okay, well, how does the Holy Spirit work? How does he tend to work uh, in my mind and on my heart, and how does he sort of move me to how does the finger push me okay so what I want to do is I want to start with Saint Maximilian Kolbe we all kind of know his story right young age he's like eight years old he has this vision of Our Lady and she puts before him two crowns and she said "The, the crown of confessor or the crown of the martyr and she says to him which one do you want like a total eight-year-old boy, he says, "I'll have both." And flash forward when he's beatified, he's beatified. Uh, the pope comes out wearing white, so he's beatified as a blessed. And then when he's canonized, the pope comes out wearing red as a somebody who's been martyred. So he got his wish. Um, and we tend to focus on the fact that he was a martyr, and we know kind of his his story of self-giving, how he put himself forward when another man uh, was being punished for someone escaping, and how he was put in a starvation bunker um, and stayed there for 15 days singing Marian hymns, driving them absolutely batty until they finally climb into the starvation bunker and poison him. So what I want to focus on is the Marian hymns part, right? Because uh, his entire life was given to Mary. And he, he had one question for Mary that it took him a really long time to get an answer to. And his question was, why, when she appeared to Bernadette at Lourdes, why did she say, I am the Immaculate Conception? But she didn't say, I'm Immaculately Conceived. She didn't say. She said it as if it was almost her name. And he said, "Why? Why did you?" He's, and he would he would cry out, "Oh, Immaculata! Why? Why did you call yourself that?" Right? And we know the power of a name, right? Name reveals the person. And so he spent a long time puzzling over this. And then one day, Our Lady finally enlightened him. And he sat down and he kind of wrote out his. Uh, his sort of understanding of it. And he said, okay, what does that mean to be immaculately Conceived? He said, well, let's start with God. Is there something like the Immaculate Conception in God? And he goes, well, the Holy Spirit is something like the Immaculate Conception in God. Comes from the love between the Father and the Son. And then this takes him down an entire, like, path where he says, okay, why do we call Mary the spouse of the Holy Spirit? Well, when a woman marries a man, she takes his name. Right? And so, he begins to start thinking about that. And he realizes that Mary was completely possessed by the Holy Spirit. Completely possessed by the Holy Spirit. Now, we often think of like the term possessed, right? We think of possessed as in something like demonic. But it's actually a ripoff of what the Holy Spirit wants to do, do with us, right? Because the, the, the demon can only get a hold of your body, right? The Holy Spirit can touch your soul. And so we all truly want to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. And so that idea, then, of letting the Holy Spirit completely and totally operate in us, right? So what Maximum Hukobi says, he says, well, something like, he calls it a quasi-incarnation, occurs between the Holy Spirit and Mary. Meaning, simply, that they're two distinct persons, not like the Incarnation, but that Mary was so fully possessed by the Holy Spirit that she did whatever he wanted. And in fact, in a certain way, was led completely and totally by the Holy Spirit in everything she did. So, one of the reasons, then, that we don't necessarily know the Holy Spirit is because we haven't taken the time to get to know Our Lady. Right? if you want to know about like a husband and you can't get access directly to the husband go ask his wife right um, and so this, this kind of analogy makes begins to make sense right um, in fact Paul the sixth said it is sometimes said that many spiritual writings today do not sufficiently reflect the whole doctrine concerning the Holy Spirit right in, in this age there is a, there is a definitely a stunting uh, of the understanding of the Holy Spirit and so He says it's the task of specialists to meditate more deeply on the working of the Holy Spirit in the history of salvation and to ensure that Christian spiritual writings give due prominence to his life-giving action. Such a study will bring out in particular the hidden relationship between the Spirit of God and the Virgin of Nazareth. So what I want to do is build off of that spousal analogy so that we can learn how the Holy Spirit operates. And so... Mary, as the spouse of the Holy Spirit, made a free, total, faithful, and fruitful gift of herself to the Holy Spirit. All right. Free, total, faithful, fruitful gift of herself to the Holy Spirit. And so if you want to get to know the Holy Spirit, imitate Mary. All right. So we're going to go through each one of those four points. We're going to take a little uh, a moment in Mary's life. And then we're going to uh, find out how best we can imitate that. So, the first is the free gift. Right? And the obvious sort of example is her fiat. And so, the first question is Are you willing to give a blank check to the Holy Spirit? Right? Are you willing to just say, overshadow me and, and total freedom, and give yourself to the Holy Spirit? Think about what this means, though, for a second. This is why the, the image of, of marriage is really important. When a couple exchanges their vows, in a lot of ways in, in, in our lives, that is the freest um, act we will, ever, we will ever do. Because what you're essentially saying is, no matter what happens, I freely choose to give myself to you for the rest of my life, Regardless of sickness, health, poverty, whatever. Like no circumstance when when you can say, no circumstance will change my mind, that is freedom. Right? That is total freedom. And just think you're making it beforehand. And so when Mary says fiat, she says to the Holy Spirit, look, wherever this is going, I'm in. That's a free act. Right? When circumstances don't change your mind, that is a totally free act. Right? Sometimes we think of freedom backwards, like you're giving your freedom away by doing that, but it's the freest act you can make. And so when you can when you can make a decision completely um, independent of circumstances, and it's totally based upon love, that's the greatest love there is. just like just simply saying, thy will be done. Right? To say thy will be done is to say, okay, wherever this goes, whatever happens, I'll go where, where the finger pushes me. So immediately I say that and, and you think, oh, yeah, that, that's good, I'll do that. And in, what immediately comes to mind is fear, right? And the fear is "Well, hold on if I do that, he's going to go to the place I don't want him to go. That that thing that like, you know, and, and it can be sometimes silly, like he's going to send me to Zimbabwe, and you know, I just got a new car, or it can be oh, he's going to send me to that place that's really hard and really just hits right at that wounded spot, and is really gonna, uh, really gonna throw me for a total loop. And you know what? You know which place. God wants to go? That place. You know why? Because he wants to heal you there. So immediately, when you think about making your your gift to God, total gift of yourself, and that that fear that pops up, we all have them, that's the place you need to give to God. You need to say, um, yeah, every part of me says don't don't go there. Like, I'll give you everything except that. I mean, I, I can... Vividly remember all of those places in my life where I would say to God, I'll give everything but that. One of my my but that's was I will be I will take as many children as you want to give me, just don't give me one with something wrong with them. And you know what God did? He gave me one with something wrong with them. And you know what happened? Totally healed me by it. Totally healed me. I was just scared, I was a coward. I didn't think I could handle it. I didn't think that what God had chosen for me was the best path. I thought my path was better. And so now, when that happens, now I'm not quite as scared. Right. And then he'll show himself, reveal himself to me over and over again when I let him go to those places. And I find those places really aren't as bad as I thought they were. Right. So this is at the root of like letting the Holy Spirit work in our lives, is to show him our vulnerabilities. He already sees them. He already knows them, right? To show our weak spots, because he's going to heal them. Right? We have to make ourselves honest and vulnerable. Sometimes we sit there and we think, well, like a holy person wouldn't do this. Like a holy person wouldn't hold that back. A holy person, you know, wouldn't be scared of uh, breaking their leg. So I'm just not going to think about it or talk about it. No, we have to go there. Right, like you have to be honest with God, and you have to make yourself open and vulnerable because those are the places that actually reveal, like where He wants to go. So those those no go zones are places we need to talk to Jesus about. There's a um, story of I think it's in um, there's a book on. Um, totally escaping my name. It's by Nicholas Diot, who interviewed all these monks as they were dying. And um, he interviewed this one monk who was like 37 years old. And I forget what he had, but he was going blind. um, And he was beginning to lose his ability to talk. He couldn't swallow. And uh, Nicholas Diot is like, why is this guy so happy? And he said, well, I used to be scared of this. And he said, but then I told Jesus he could have everything and he took it and I'm so happy. I gave him everything and he took it and now I'm so happy. so there's no room for fear, right? And if you have it, it's okay. We all do. Don't hide the fear from Jesus. Do not hide your fears from Jesus. Because he's going to heal them. But because it's your no-go zone... He needs your freedom. He needs you to say, "There, Lord, go there," and you just have to trust that He's going to go there. Right. That's a free gift. All right. That is not holding anything back because you know that when the bridegroom enters, everything is fine. So total. Right. So Mary's devotion to the Holy Spirit is total. So. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Like, handmaid is really just a word for slave. right? We don't necessarily like the idea of slave. Um, but a slave has nothing of their own. Everything belongs to their master. And so Mary was willing to give everything to God and have nothing of her own. And she lived the most joyful life. We, on the other hand, if we, don't, if we try to give pieces over to, to God, we end up living this disintegrated life. This part's for Jesus, this part's for me, this part's for the world, and we end up practically miserable, if not totally just scattered. Peace is the tranquility of order. Right? And one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is peace. Because he orders your soul by making it whole again. All right? We're all broken. Right? That's, that's reality. But only the Holy Spirit can make us whole again. And so we have to put down the facade and let him in to piece it all back together again. That's total. All right? That's what Mary does. She says, nothing of mine is mine. All is yours. So free, total, faithful. She was faithful because she was a woman of of prayer. She held all of those things in her heart. Something would happen, she'd take the prayer. I don't understand this, she'd take the prayer. So for Mary, prayer is the most important thing she can do because it's intimacy with her spouse. Things happen... Simeon says something she doesn't understand. She goes to her spouse to find out what it means. So a lot of times, the reason why we don't know the Holy Spirit is because we don't pray. Because right? the Holy Spirit is the one who prays in us. And so, in a certain sense, our prayers are also His. Right? His desires for us. And just like when you're dating someone, you have to set times for dates with the Holy Spirit. We got to have the habit of prayer every single day, right? Um, and especially like in your state of life, things are busy, right? Things are busy, and it's difficult to set aside that time for prayer. Don't skip it. Like have your time for mental prayer every single day without fail don't do the my work is my prayer thing that's not a real thing you know why because well if your work really is your prayer then you're a saint and you probably shouldn't be listening to me because everything o- overflows from our prayer right your work actually does become a prayer but you gotta be pretty holy for that to happen because what happens is you go and you 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 drink and you drink and drink in prayer and it begins to spill over into the rest of your life right but prayer is the foundation right like you have to order your entire life to prayer. Like I in my own life, I one of the best things I ever did, like, I'm kind of the person who does like I have to be doing something all the time. All right. And and what I do is okay, well, there's twenty four hours in a day. Let me let me do all of them and forget about sleep. I don't need sleep. Um so I would do that and that's great. You know what I would do though, every morning? Fall asleep while I was praying. Not surprising, right? And then one day it dawned on I me, mean, I'm like, you know, I'm so frustrated. I keep falling asleep when I'm praying. Like, what the heck? Like, I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe there's like a demon of like sleep attacking me. <laughs> like, uh, no, dummy. Like, you're human. You need sleep. Sleep. And I was like, oh. So, like, if I don't sleep, it affects my prayer life, which affects the rest of my life, which, wow, that's really stupid, right? I'm like, that's like a check the box thing. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm doing mental prayer for 30 minutes. Like 29 of them, I have my eyes closed and I'm sleeping, but still mental prayer for 30 minutes, right? Like God can, God can still work with that. Well, yeah, but I didn't set prayer as the number one priority. And then one day I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to bed. I'm just going to stop doing what I'm doing. And I'm going to commit to going to bed on time so that I can get up and pray and not fall asleep. And my prayer life changed completely. Like I actually was like available right, which again, like in hindsight, I'm like, well, that was really dumb, like, why didn't I see that, that was just a simple fix, right, but I was like, and even sometimes at night, I'm like, you know what, I'd really like to sit and watch this, or I'd like to do this, or like, nope, because tomorrow morning, I will be tired when I pray, that's why you see, like, in all the paintings of Our Lady, right, when Gabriel comes to her, she's praying, right, right, She's praying because she was a woman of prayer. So she was faithful. So free, total, faithful, and fruitful. Okay, how is she fruitful? Well, what's the first thing she does when she finds out when the Holy Spirit overshadows her? She goes to her cousin Elizabeth, which is the sign, right? She's supposed to do that, but she does not in a certain way. She goes in haste. People who go in haste the people who are faithful in little things are faithful in great things. God gives small things as sort of tests, but also to get us attuned to his voice. Right? How many times, like I in my own life, how many times do I get these little simple inspirations and I'm like, eh, that's not really that important. That can't be from the Holy Spirit. And I don't do them. Like just simple things like, hey, you should call X. I'm like, eh. I call later. I don't know. I don't have to call right now. I don't want what I'm calling later, right? But we were like what the Holy Spirit was doing was like, uh, Rob, I need you to go promptly and call this person. Seems like no big deal, but you know what? Like, if the eternal God told you to do them, it's a big deal. Like, even if you don't think so. Um So, like, the small inspirations There's no reason not to be faithful to them. They're easy, right? And and that's the way God attunes our ears to hear his voice. Because here's the thing. You will find, and hopefully you've already found, that God has a very unique way of speaking to each one of us. Such that when he says something to you, you know he's the one who said it. I know when I hear that direct voice that tells me just matter-of-factly who it is. I know immediately who it is. And so we have to respond faithfully in order to be fruitful. We have to attune ourselves to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so we have to be um, like, do it in haste and do it with joy because God, God has picked you to be sent on a mission. And don't expect it to be some grand thing. Right? You know why? Because God wants us to, to remind us that he cares about even the little things. Like, he cares about that person that he wants me to call, just because hearing another voice is good for them. Right? And, and like, it, it isn't surprising that, like, afterwards I'm like, okay, providentially, clearly, I was supposed to do that little thing. The other thing, too, like, you ever think about, like, Our Lady at, Can- at, at Cana? Like, Noticing the wine was gone, like, that is a tiny thing, right? Like, she's like, huh, too bad, right? But nothing was tiny, so she just, what she do? She just goes to Jesus. She's like, um, yeah, you need to take care of this. Because it was certainly a big thing to the people that were there, right? So we have to be faithful to the little things, right? Faithful to the little things. And what happens is, if you give a free, total, faithful, fruitful gift of yourself to the Holy Spirit, then it ends up being forever. Right? The Queen of Heaven is wedded to the Holy Spirit forever. And so we have to find all of the ways to be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Learning how to get on the frequency of the Holy Spirit. Right? Learning how He speaks to me directly and speaks to me personally, right? And I used the example earlier of Elijah, right? When he's goes up to the mountain and God says, I'm going to come and talk to you. And there's an earthquake, there's fire, there's all these things that you expect God to come, right? Like make a lot of noise because he's a big God. And somehow Elijah just recognizes him in a whisper, right? Um, and so how did Elijah know that was God and not the other things, right? And I said, because God speaks to each one of us in a very unique way, right? And so we think big terms like, okay, revelation, right? Like God reveals himself to mankind, and then there's self-revelation, how he reveals himself to me. Um, So Elijah didn't just, I think I already said this, Elijah didn't just wake up one morning and go, I know how to do this. I I know what God sounds like. He had to kind of repeatedly go back, and understand what God was saying and what He was doing, right? And so, in a certain way, God is a little coy in talking to us because He wants us to keep desiring to to do His will, right? And so, um, one of the ways that so we begin to think, okay, well, like life comes at me really, really fast. How in the world am I going to just? You know, like that—the fire, the earthquake, all that happened like this. Like, how was he supposed to know where God was, right? Because he's suddenly this big earthquake happens, and he goes, "Oh, not God!" Like, how did he do that, all right? And and so that what we're going to do is look at what Saint Ignatius says for the best way to hearing the voice of God, and it's to do the examined prayer. So let's talk about first what it is and what it isn't. Um, Right, so everyone sort of knows what an examination of conscience is, right? So the examined prayer is not that. Right? Examination of conscience, good, useful. Um, but it, this is not what we're talking about. Um, so really good for kind of examining ourselves, examination of conscience. But what we really sort of want to get at is what God is doing and how I'm responding to it. Right? And specifically, not only what, is, what God is doing, but how he's doing it so that the next time it comes around, I respond promptly, all right? And I'm in the midst of it and know immediately that God is speaking to me. And so what we do is we sort of hit a pause button with the Holy Spirit's guidance throughout the day by looking back, sort of like an armchair quarterback, where we look back and we go, okay, God, what were you doing here? What were you doing here? What were you doing here? What was my response? And why did I respond that way? All right, The why is really important. So if you guys know about the Sermon of Spirits, they kind of fit together. Um, I won't sort of get us caught up in that rabbit hole. Um, but nevertheless, the, the why we responded the way we did is also important. Because what we're really trying to do is see, like, okay, what, what was prompting my heart at the time? Like, Why did I respond that way? All right, so I've already said this. I've said, like, God's providence isn't ever turned off happening every single moment every single day um, and when you come to that realization you're like okay this is I'm drinking from a fire hose like what do you mean every single moment every single day like how the heck am I going to respond to that like you mean it's right now when I take this step and I, and I take this step wait and, and all of a sudden you're like almost like driving yourself crazy You're like okay how in the world am I going to recognize that when it happens um, but by going back and looking at Maybe even insignificant moments of the day, we begin to to sense a pattern and we begin to learn how to understand what God is saying, mostly by examining our response and our in our heart all right and so there's two sort of keys for us to grow right: gratitude and humility and so gratitude is the first sort of disposition we want to. Um, sort of foster so let's talk about how we do it and then we'll talk about how to do it well so there's five steps Right. so the first is I put myself in the presence of God and simultaneously have this sort of reflective Thanksgiving for whatever the period of time is so I'm going to use a whole day long but it doesn't have to be for a whole day you could do it twice a day you could do it first thing in the morning for the day before you can do it however is easiest for you um and then uh, after you sort of have, a, have that reflective Thanksgiving, then you turn to the Holy Spirit and ask for his help to examine the day. And then once you do that, so what you're asking is the Holy Spirit to give you his eyes to see what the day was. You review the day. And normally you go by some increment. You might go hour by hour. You might go like little chunk of period by or event by event, however you want to do it. All right. And then in the midst of those events that come up, uh, we praise God, give him thanksgiving, and then ask for his mercy for our failings. And then the last step is resolve and renew. All right, so I went really fast. Don't worry about getting them all because we're going to go through them slowly. Okay? So putting yourself in God's presence, sort of an obvious thing. Right? Remember always like when we say, okay, I'm putting myself in God's presence. What we're really doing is reminding ourselves that we were already in God's presence. Right, Like, God is in the room, and oh, I just turned back to remember he's here. Um, and so it doesn't need to take a long time. It's just to go, okay, this isn't me examining myself. This is me, uh, under God's guidance, examining. And so we want it to be sort of led by the Holy Spirit. So why do we start with gratitude? Why is gratitude so important? Think about what I said at the beginning, right? What is our fundamental disposition towards God? suspicion, right? Rather than seeing everything as a gift. Because that's what ultimately what the devil did, right, to Eve, right? He said, question the gift, question the gift. He's he's not really on your side. He's not really your father. And so one of the ways that's healed, that's why gratitude is so important. It's not because God particularly wants our thanks, right? It's because in thanking him it actually changes the way we see him. And we see him the way he really is. Right? And we begin to see Everything is a gift, right? The, the car crashing into something, and the first response is thank you. Because right? in somewhere there was a blessing. I didn't know what it was, but there was still a blessing there. Okay, so, so we go through the day, and we, so certain events will stick out. Some days no events will stick out. Um, one of the things that, I mean, is definitely worth examining is the fact that, um, is that sometimes this is, becomes a struggle, right? And the only gift you can thank God is for the perseverance to keep doing it. All right. Um, so the other reason why we, we start with gratitude, right? There's this idea and, and we've sort of have gotten away from this, I think as a culture, there's this thing called a debt of gratitude, Right. So we think, okay, I owe someone my gratitude. Well, just say thanks, right? But not really, because you actually now owe that person something. And the something really matters. The something that you owe them is a gift in return, not that is like quid pro quo, like amount, but with the same heart that the giver gave the gift to. So the other thing I'm trying to see is look through the gift at the heart of the giver who gave it to me. What I really want to do is, in the gift, see the sacred heart of Jesus. And so that takes training, right? That takes training to be able to see the the heart of the, right? Again, going back to the example of of the car, right? Where I know the heart of the giver, I'm just not yet sure what the gift was. And really, the heart of the giver is all that matters anyway, because that's what God wants. He wants to reveal his heart to us, and he uses gifts to do it. right. He doesn't want us to get enamored with the gifts. He wants us to get enamored with his heart because he wants to woo us and take our heart. right. So it's not just to say thank you, but it's, it's to look along the gift and through the gift at the heart of the giver and then to try some way to match that heart. Okay. There's nothing too trivial for by the way, for like to do this, right? I could just be simply like I was going to be late to a, a meeting, and all the stoplights worked in my favor. Thanks be to God, right? I anticipated something that somebody I really care about needed, right? I just happened to anticipate that, you know, my wife needed a glass of water. Like, silly thing, but how did I know that, right? It's a gift, right? And I look like the greatest husband ever because I brought her uh, water with two ice cubes in it. Um... <laughs> Or you can, a hard conversation, right? A hard conversation you have to have with someone who goes well. Um, But we ought to grow to the point where we even begin to thank him for humiliations, confusion, right? The sins we didn't commit. That was always like, St. Augustine was always really struggled with uh, even examination of conscience. And he's like, I can't remember anything throughout the day. And so he would just turn and go, Well, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Thanks be to God. Right? Because what did he do? He knew the heart of the giver, but he also knew his own heart. He knew what he was capable of. And because he was capable of just about anything, he thanked God that he didn't actually do any, like everything. All right, so, so gratitude, if you do nothing else, like if you get to that, that step and stay there, beautiful. Right? That in and of itself will transform, because what happens is you begin to see everything as a gift. Okay, so, so we're, we're sort of just going through the day with, with gratitude, and now we ask the Holy Spirit, okay, what, what in this day was significant that I may have missed? And so we just say a little prayer to see the day through his eyes. Um, say a prayer to Our Lady, who is the revealer of hearts, so she knows our heart, right? Um, and ask her to help us. And now we begin to review. The day. What makes us a little bit unique um, is that we're not really reviewing like the entire day. We're trying to get the Holy Spirit to hone in on certain things that have that are important for us to, to grasp for that day. All right, and so um, what we want to do is uh, pay attention to to just events that immediately come to mind, or or, or things that immediately come to, to mind. So I might I might be sitting there and going, okay, I remember earlier in the day that I was really harsh with my coworker. All right, and then I go, okay, why? Why why did I do that? What was on my heart when I did that? All right? So now that's like God gives me this opportunity, right? And and where's my heart? Those are the two things I'm trying to see. All right, and I realize, oh yeah, like that lady annoys me. Like I got to do something about that, right? Or, you know what? I was just in desolation and I was annoyed, and she constantly uh, pesters me when I'm in a bad mood. Like, notice the like the constantly, right? And like, oh, okay. So then, when I get to review and renew, then I need to go. Okay, well, I need to do something to make up for that for her. She may not even picked up on it, or she may be used to me being a jerk, right? It doesn't matter. Like God was giving me an opportunity to grow in patience and charity, whatever. And I missed it. All right. And so that the next time that comes along, I want to be able to recognize it. All right. Um, or like here's, here's using the example, the silly example I used before the phone call that I, I felt like I was prompted to make and I didn't do it. Why didn't I do it? Well, cause every time I talk to that guy, he takes forever to get off the phone. Like really? Like that's, that's your reason. I need to examine that. I need to examine where my heart was when that was going on, all right. Um, so the, the examine helps us sort through those things to realize where God was, what voice we listened to, and where where the path for grace is moving forward, All right. Now, it seems to be like, okay, I used examples of, like, desolation, right? But it happens in consolation, too, where, like... I don't know. My wife asked me to change a diaper, and you know what? I'm consolation. I'm too holy for that. Like, someone else should change the diaper. That's not good, right? Like, the consolation is supposed to actually give me strength to serve. Um, And so I was paying more attention, um, right, to to that, to the gift of consolation than the giver of consolation. And so that can be re- really easy to happen when things are going well. Um, all right, and then once we've done that, once we have spent... Now, all total, I haven't told you, like all total, you might spend 10 minutes doing this, okay? Um, some people say, like, set a timer and don't go above. Like, that's fine. I would set a timer only in the sense of just sit there because um, perseverance with this is really important. Really important. Um, all right, so n- now we go to the foot of Christ for mercy. All right. This is where you'll begin to see those places that need to be healed. Because you'll begin to see a pattern of the places where you fail, because the Holy Spirit's pointing them out to you, right? Like like a good a good spouse, right? Pointing out to you, you know, like, here's an opportunity for growth. Here's the place, like, you were really impatient all the time. Look at how many times today you were impatient. Like it's time, it's time to change that. Right. And, and the thing is like with always, right. Once I make myself vulnerable to Jesus, the floodgates of mercy and grace come out. Once I say to him, you know what? Like I totally get it. I don't want to be that guy. And he's like, Oh, I've been waiting to hear that. And that's when it, that's when we change. Right. And so, when the Holy Spirit points our faults out to us, it's always so that we will own them and so that he can heal them. And so we have to be honest. Like, the radical honesty of, like, why I did what I did. Right? You know, I'm just totally honest. Like, I didn't want to call because I was sitting on the couch and I was comfortable. And... I just desire to be comfortable where you, you desired for me to give myself away. And so when you begin to do this, right, when you, when you see this, like one of the things we always struggle with is like hatred of our sins. You will learn to hate your sins because you, and then you, they just, all the glamor of it will go away. Like when I look back and I'm like, yeah, I just sat there on the couch when I could have done something else. I begin to hate sitting on the couch. And then eventually I won't sit on the couch, When God is ready to completely heal it, I'll get up promptly. She went in haste, right? For that reason. And then fifth step. So now I'm aware of what God has done and what he's doing. And I just resolve to, uh, to, to do differently in the future. Um, and remember, like this step is important because the Holy Spirit, you're still operating with the Holy Spirit right? And so he's going to tell you how to fix what you broke. Right? Maybe I'll have to take that coworker to lunch. Maybe instead of a phone call, I'll have to go over and actually spend time with them and share a meal with them. Um, you know, when I, when I blew somebody off because I didn't have the energy, like, OK, next time, I'll, I won't blow them off. I'll actually do something. Or even better. I'll go do something. All right. So, what are what are some of the obstacles to doing this? We um, already mentioned sort of the uh, when to do it. Anytime, like find a time that works for you. I have found without fail the best the the worst time to do it is when I lay down in my bed at night. Like I always fail every night when I go. You know, I'll just do my exam and laying here because I'm usually asleep within. Uh, usually, under a minute, um, so don 't get in bed to do it like don't in general, you shouldn 't pray in bed any like you shouldn 't go to bed to pray, um, but nevertheless, like find a time, and honestly, like some people, like after like seven p m their brains are fried, and if you keep finding i can 't remember anything about the day, like that 's just a sign, okay, I need to do it earlier in the day um, and so you can do it. At, 659 or you can do it earlier in the day like at lunch or uh, early in the morning sometimes uh, when it helps to write down some of the patterns because uh, in the spiritual life we always want to um, we always want to not be where we're doing like scattershot like we want to focus on one thing at a time and grow in that one virtue so if I'm noticing like time after time of time being impatient well then I'm just going to start examining myself on patience right, until I conquer that virtue. And then God points out a new fault. Um, okay. And how long five to 10 minutes is, is usually sufficient. Um, the other thing too, that, um, that we have to really be sort of in tune with um, is the fact that everyone who does this prayer, it takes a long time for it to click, right? And we because it takes a long time to click, we kind of we kind of give up on it a little bit. We're like, uh, I don't know. Like, don't don't do that. Like, resist that temptation to give up on it. Just like trust that Saint Ignatius is a saint, um, and so he knows what he's talking about, and that the church has said to keep doing this um, for a long time. Uh, because for some reason. Uh, the everyone's experience is the same. It's just one day you just go, Oh, I got it. I totally get this now. I totally get this. Um, and I think it's just because God wants us to first persevere and then he rewards us. Sorry, so he wants the, the desire first he wants us to, cause that's what that ultimately is, right? Like you going to that, however it goes, it doesn't matter. Like when you go, that's just all you're doing is expressing your desire, Right. You're expressing your desire to unite your will with God's. And so he's like, okay, like, we'll just expand your desire. So each time you go and that may be all you have to offer to God that day. And that's okay. That's a gift. So you have to be sort of um, realistic, but you also have to do it in, in like a spirit of hope where you are expecting it to, to turn around any second. Right? The fruit's coming any second because that's how God operates.